today on CityCast Madison. Madison was the first city in the nation to start curbside recycling, and that eco-conscious spirit lives on to this day. But sometimes we are a little too eager to recycle. Tossing your plastic bags into your recycling cart does not mean they find a new life. What to recycle can be confusing, but Madison Recycling Coordinator Brian Johnson is here to help us sort it all out. It's Wednesday, September 6th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Brian, hello. Hello. So you are Madison's recycling coordinator. You're in your office right now, and I can see a poster behind you that says the future of the world is in your hands. How much of a difference does recycling make? Well, it is. It's like it's a big difference. I mean, I think there's a couple things. One, I wouldn't assume that like recycling isn't going to be the thing that like solves the climate crisis. It's not going to be the thing that's sort of a cure all or something that excuses like overconsumption habits. Like it's not that. I mean, it's a it's a good thing, but it's not going to fix everything. I think it was sort of miscast as being this sort of cure-all thing. And it's really not that. But what it does do, it does replace the need from virgin materials. Like so if we have like paper items, say, yeah, they're going to cut down trees or you can make new paper out of the paper you already have. They're like spent cardboard, other like mailings, junk mail, stuff like that. So why not use the material you already have? than just hoovering more stuff up out of the ground and like consuming more of those resources that we have. Same with anything like metal-based stuff. Why not just make that new metal stuff out of all the metal cans and everything else that we already have in our lives that you can just melt it down and make it into a can? Do that. Why do we need to like mine more stuff up out of the ground to do this stuff? But there's still so much of our lives that we consume every single day that there's not a market to recycle it. There's not an easy way to reclaim it. And our, our stuff is always changing. It's so complicated. There's all it's it's difficult. So like I think it's good to do it. It's good to do it right because it's the one thing we certainly can control. But I wouldn't think, oh, I'm recycling, therefore I'm the greenest person on the block. <laughs> Glad you're, you're doing, doing something important. You right? are doing it right. You are doing it important. But like really, that best choice you can make is stopping the waste in the first place. And like choosing to shop secondhand, choosing to buy things made of recycled content. Avoiding making that waste whenever it's possible. And it's super tough. Recycling matters. Yeah. And you're talking about it matters if you recycle right, right? Correct. If you could make sure everyone knew just one thing about recycling, what would it be? Oh, just one thing? You know, what's one of the main things people try to recycle that really isn't recyclable? I guess if I was going to pick one, one thing to do, it would be... Oh, man, would be the one that makes certain people understand that not all plastic can be recycled. I guess that'd be the place I'd start. It's just because it looks like plastic, feels like plastic, doesn't mean it belongs in your recycling cart. There's very specific kinds of plastic stuff that belongs in your recycling cart that did you can put in there, like plastic containers that are like one through seven. So pop bottles, laundry jugs, milk jugs, things like that. Perfectly acceptable for the cart. But there's so much other plastic stuff in our lives, well, you see everything from like children's toys or like basketballs or hoses or any shower curtains. There's so much just plastic stuff that I think people have an assumptions like, well, it's plastic. Of course it can be recycled. 
No, yeah. it, it really can't be because of the mechanisms we have to have to separate all the stuff from those carts and then separate them into those individual little buckets and then they're sold around the world. The, those machines and those processes can't like sort out something like a shower curtain. It just wraps around some of the screens or it can clog the robots. It has, there's problems um, oh my goodness. with the stuff. Yeah, right? And so, yeah, again, well, this th- is good. We're talking to you to hear about like what happens when you're doing the wrong thing. How, how do people know the difference? though about like what plastic is recyclable like yeah i mean like the uh, most plastic things are going to have like a resin id code on there like the people are familiar with that is that triangle that you see little chasing arrows i think most people assume that if it's the triangle that oh that means i can recycle it's got the triangle thing on there that is not what that means at all all that Mm. code is is says that's what the plastic is made out of and it's understandable why it's confusing because that recycling logo is so synonymous or that chasing arrow triangle so you see it on there everybody wants to do the right thing with their stuff like it's, is it a certain number then because i have to admit like i'm probably guilty of this you know oh. i tend to think of something like that like styrofoam i know it's like okay i know styrofoam can't go in there but like how do you so you see the triangle and you're thinking great then what do you need to know? Is it the specific number that you're looking for? Well, first, depends on where you live, right? Like that's something else that's kind of interesting. It's like here in the state of Wisconsin, you are required to recycle number ones and number two plastic containers. So a container is something that has like a lid or a neck or a handle on it. Here in the city of Madison, we accept one through seven containers. So that container part is important. So you think of it like a box or a, a, jug, a jug or a, a bottle, jug. something like that. So if it yeah. has that three-dimensional shape, because the way the sorting system works, those containers have to bounce along a line a particular way. And if these things are flat or if they're like tangly like this foam sheet that I have here, it's just going to get wrapped around stuff or it's not going to get sorted correctly. It's going to wind up in the wrong container because it's just the wrong kind of material. To be sorted correctly. What happens when that once once that happens? Does someone have to pull it off and? Pretty much, like that's yeah. what makes plastic bags such like a menace to recycling facilities, is because the there's these big roll screens of what they're called, where everything just sort of rolls across the top of them, and those plastic bags just get bound around it. It's like cotton candy on oh, there, shoot. Yeah. and it just binds up the stuff. So like that, these rollers stop working. So every so often, um, Pelletary Waste Systems is the company the city contracts with, but this is a problem and a, a practice like system-wide, like everywhere deals with this problem, where you have to stop the machines, get out there, and they're basically cutting it off with knives, oh just hacking goodness. it off the because there's no other way to really do it, and yank all that plastic film off and get it going again. Um, Pelletary also uses these AI uh, little robots to kind of suction cup down and grab things as well, which is pretty slick. But that's also prone to clogging if the wrong kind of plastic film gets in there because the robot doesn't know. All it knows is it's looking for certain plastic resin. So if something's more of a film, it gets hoovered right up into that vacuum, clogs the machine. So they got to shut everything down, go in there, unchoke the machine. <laughs> like oh pulling my it up, gosh. Like, like a Kleenex is from a clown sleeve, just pulling it out. Oh, and you've then, got great metaphors. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and then they just rent fire everything back up again so it just it slows the process down and then you're using more resources and you're using more resources it makes them more expensive it can be dangerous for the workers too that have to unclog this stuff because like i said that's just people with like razor knives and so it could cut people pretty easily hacking through that stuff so it's just that's why we try to say like don't put plastic bags in the recycling cart it matters you know and one avoid them that's 
Step one, don't make them if you can. We all forget our canvas bags. I am guilty of that as much as anybody else. I have this mental block where if I go to like Target, I can't remember my bags. I don't know why. It's so hard for me to remember. (laughs) But but when you do, if you make in plastic bag waste, make certain that you're taking it back to those grocery stores that have those recycling programs. Mm -hmm. I've got a big old bag right now of like, because I'm thinking I have all my plastic bags in it, but also like plastic films. Like I actually, I just ordered something recently though that was very eco-friendly and for no plastic film and just had like paper up in there <laughs> up in the box <laughs> i was <laughs> like is, this is good but you know it'd be nice if there was more of that you also see more people moving toward like the molded paper sort of stuff instead of the molded styrofoam like it's yeah. perfectly recyclable in the cart it's just a paper product um mm-hmm. which is great as we're trying to get away from plastics and that Well, I hear that Madison's or Wisconsin and Madison's really doing a great job. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, to you. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But is it true? Was Madison really the first city in the country to offer curbside recycling service? To the best of my knowledge, Ed, we started in 1968. Um, We were in uh, newspapers is whenever we started. It was that was thanks to the Forest Products Lab located on campus there, they wanted to find another way to source newspapers besides cutting down trees. We were collecting many, many newspapers at the time. Yeah. So it made sense to give it a try. And, and the thing that really made it possible is that it made economic sense. It was cheaper for the city to collect those paper, uh, bundles of paper, and then to get it recycled than it was to try to landfill them. So it just made economic sense too. That's the other thing that really sort of makes the whole recycling system go is that there has to be this economic engine that drives it. Like if Mm. there's not somebody willing to accept that material and make a new thing out of it, and they're not even going to do that unless they feel they can profit from it, then that whole recycling system doesn't work. There's just that economic drivers for this. Yeah. What's the market like for recycled materials in 2023? As of right now, things aren't great. (laughs) The um, the, um, the things um, ebb and flow. A lot with this. Like during the pandemic, actually, things were literally never better because the demand for these materials was quite high. Like, because there was so most of what you recycle that's in your cart are paper products. You know, they're like the junk mail, cardboard boxes, stuff like that. That's over half of what you recycle is paper stuff. And so, whenever that's worth more, then that makes kind of raises the floor, I guess you could say. Like, that makes the recyclables more valuable. And so during the pandemic, when there was so much pressure for all more cardboard boxes, more paper products from like tissue paper to like toilet paper and things like that, that created more demand in the system. And then like any sort of like oil price disruptions as well are good for plastic prices. So you really want to root for high gas prices because that's for good for plastic recycling, as we all I'm certain would love to have. (laughs) uh, um, And then. Like during that pandemic too, you remember there was that really nasty cold snap that happened in Texas. It shut a bunch of oil refineries down. Well, because those oil refineries shut down, that meant the people that wanted material to make plastic stuff out of still needed it. And Mm -hmm. so there was all this recyclable plastic stuff sitting around. Well, that created more demand for that material, raised the price up like that. So what does that mean for us? Like if we're not in a good market right now? Due to how 
great things were in the pandemic years. We kind of banked a lot of value. So right now we're not actually paying a tipping fee to Pelletary because like we've built up so much like excess value over the previous year. And so we're able to hold it down for 23 at zero. That's one of the other things I think what I said from the start about making certain that really less waste is the best waste, I guess you could say. Yeah. Or like you wanna... Don't make it in the first place if at right. all possible. Because like for recycling to work, it's incumbent upon this massive economic system where no one person really controls, which is feels like weird interconnected, but it's true. Yeah. We talked a lot about plastic, but what about um, cans and glass? Oh, they're pretty good. They're pretty solid. Like the glass is always expensive. Is it easier to recycle? Yeah. I mean, it's infinitely recyclable. But the the trick is because everything's all commingled into our recycling carts. When it gets broken up at the sorting facility, anything else that's about the size of like a half dollar or a quarter or so, give or take, also falls in with the glass. So any sort of weird little grit or pen caps or those weird little red rectangles that sometimes that are plastic that people might think oh it's plastic they throw it the little thing that you pull off of your oat milk yeah right tab (laughs) those little things like all of that sort of stuff that shouldn't be in the cart winds up getting mixed in with the glass because there's so much other weird little grits and fines and weird stuff that people throw in the the cart that it makes it that process that much more expensive and it's just so heavy yeah there's a lot of nitty-gritty here so definitely more behind the scenes than like <laughs> there's definitely a lot more behind the scenes and speaking of behind the scenes where is behind the scenes after your recycling is picked up by the city what happens next yeah it goes to Pelletary waste systems so that company it's over on the east side of madison it's just really down the road from the humane society there off marsh road the, um, they give tours don't just show up and like knock on the door like I don't do that know. that's yeah right like no. like oh i need to know now you know like that doesn't work <laughs> but um Call them in advance, set up tours for groups, and that's just like one at a time. They'll absolutely do it. You know, when I was growing up there, we would take our cans <laughs> to a deposit. Do you wish Madison had something like that? <laughs> I don't know what the going rate is for aluminum cans, but folks could certainly still do that. I mean, there's metal recyclers here. It'd be so much work. I don't know how much you get. It's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you, think you would need like a ton of them. You think an actual ton of aluminum cans. That's, that's oh, a lot of cans. That's you a know? lot like, of cans. That's a lot of cans. <laughs> That's like a Seinfeld episode like where they're loading up. No, it was bottles, right? Whenever they're loading up the mail truck and driving to Michigan. Kind of thing. Yeah. Seinfeld has given us so much. And, you know, we got into a lot of the details, but there's, there's you know, so much more to get into. And I understand that Madison recruits folks help clarify confusion around recycling. And there's a program called Recycling Master. Like, how does someone get involved with that? How do you become a recycling master? We worked with Sustained Dane to set this program up. And we're not, like, super in love with the name, by the way. So people have a really better... (laughs) They're welcome to give us some ideas. We're trying to think of something that... What about Recycling Maven? Recycling Maven? That might work. That could work. The, um, Should put out a contest. People <laughs> oh, like love name, contests. Name it like we did our snowplow. So yeah. <laughs> It'll just be like call a recycling recycler face or something like that. <laughs> we did that. 
With that Master Recycler course, we worked with Sustain Dane to set it up because they've done these sort of training classes before. So it made like a natural partnership there. And the idea is, is we have all this information available. We put our recyclopedias out in public libraries. We have our website. I'll go to pretty much any neighborhood association or senior center that invites us to come talk to it or try to get out there. I got a little bit of education funds for like radio ads here and there. But the information doesn't like pierce all of the information bubbles that we put ourselves in that well because the we kind of curate our own media, right? We kind of listen to just what we want to listen to and it's hard to – and there's so many of those little pockets out there. And this sort of recycling thing is information that's important for every single one of those individual little bubbles and I can't possibly be in all of them. I can't be in every like – next door we conversation or Reddit thread. I haven't cracked it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yes. And, and so that's when to come up with this master recycler course is like, well, if we can seed enough expertise in our community out there so they can be that responsible voice, or maybe they don't have the perfect answer, but they at least know where the right resources are to point people whenever someone like fires off something online or at work, or it's like, oh, we're doesn't matter or what do I do with light bulbs? I'm just going to put them in the recycling. Or, you know, like, so, so I can have somebody to be like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> an just ambassador. So increases, yeah, an ambassador. Right, yeah. It increases the chance of doing that. And um, so we set up that Master Recycler course. It's two 90-minute online sessions where we kind of deeper dive into recycling, the rules, the why, why nots, and a little bit more about like a little bit about composting, some zero-waste lifestyle kind of stuff. And then the ultimate ask at the end is some sort of outreach project where we it could be whatever the shape is, is up to the person's comfort level. We're not demanding that they teach a class to their church group or a lunch and learn at their job or anything like that. It can be open. We've had people do newsletters. We've had um, this one person, she made a video with her grandchildren and shared it with her circle of friends Aww. about how to recycle. Right? It's fantastic. Like that kind of stuff where that sort of... And I've heard hundreds of people sign up. Since it began, it was 700 and something, I believe, have taken the class. We've reached almost like 70,000 people, I want to believe. We'll get folks the information if they want to sign up for the next opportunity. And we appreciate you being an ambassador and letting us know the sort of things we need to know about recycling. That's Brian Johnson, Madison's Recycling Coordinator. Just a heads up, the Sustained Dane Recycling courses have concluded for the year. But we'll toss a link in the show notes for how to receive a reminder to sign up for the next available course. And here's what else Madison's talking about. COVID, still a thing. First Lady Jill Biden has tested positive for COVID-19 just five days after visiting Madison. The White House says she's experiencing only mild symptoms. During our visit to Madison, the First Lady met with Governor Tony Evers, U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin, Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway, and other local officials. The First Lady also attended an event with hundreds of teachers as well as a fundraiser. Senator Baldwin says she's taking a test soon but has no symptoms. Governor Evers says he's tested negative for COVID-19 but is taking precautions. And in other news, a crowded pier at the Memorial Union Terrace collapsed into Lake Mendota on Labor Day. Yeah, collapsed. It sent dozens of people into the lake. There were some minor scrapes, and one person was sent to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. That pier collapsed just one day before it was scheduled to be removed for the season. Yeesh. This isn't the first UW pier that's collapsed. 
The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that a very similar incident happened in 2005, also at the Memorial Union. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with a famous Madison band? How about Garbage? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, 